We've got another bonus coming at you. The music doesn't stop on these bonus intros. It's super true. I can't help myself. Like the quarantine has made me feel like I'm living or not living in the musical of my dreams. And it's just like I want to sing everything all the time. And I think it's to break up the monotony of my day. But I don't know. And I'm just going to give into it. In a bonus, I'm just going to let it all hang out. I think like during a quarantine, let your psychosis run wild. Thank you. Be the hero in your own musicale. That's what I'm saying. Like if you feel like talking to the squirrels, talk to the squirrels. I created an entire narrative for an alley squirrel Mm. and like the rhythm of its day. Mm. I wrote you a letter about it. I don't think it ever got sent. You should send me that letter because I would love it. I've also been writing epistles during this quarantine. I've bought so many stamps. Yes, you've been writing epistles to me and I've just been like writing epistles to you and just like letting them like, I don't know, maybe like burning them in a candle ceremoniously. Talking about like the squirrel in my alleyway and what I think it's doing and its goals and dreams and our connection. That's really one sided. But today isn't about that story. No. Today is about Consensual's 10 week turnabout podcast rom com audio drama slash novella project. I don't know about anything else that's like this. I think it's pretty creative and, and super interesting. Yeah, this feels like a three dimensional chess in the sense that like it's playing on multiple levels, like seven dimensional chess rather, because we've got the audio drama, we've got the text that hasn't been released on Kindle yet, but will. We've got the audio audiobook element of it. Yeah, it's just all coming together. And I think that's really one of the cool things about living in the 21st century, since there are so few cool things. is like you really get to use a number of mediums to bring a vision to life. And I think this is one of those projects that's really playing with those borders intelligently. It's a form of the internet that's not going to break your village-based brain. Yes. It's just going to be like a really pleasurable expansion. Yeah. It's such a cool project. So the first three chapters, air quotes, slash episodes are now available on any podcatcher. You're going to want to search consensual, the word consent combined with the word sensual, or 10-week turnabout to find these. And what's really interesting is Isabel and I had the privilege of being offered an ARC, which is a rare and special occurrence for us. (laughs) So of course we wanted to review it. And of course we were first immediately suspicious and then we decided we really wanted to review it but so it's also a novella which should be coming out on Kindle soon if you prefer to read things but I actually really enjoyed the opportunity of reading that like a super quick book mm-hmm. like a one day or along with listening to this really creative imagining of the text via this audio drama that has sound effects and music and layered dialogue mm-hmm. which even audio dramas rarely attempt I would say for fans of Lauren Blakely and everyone should be a fan of her audio romance books. Not because the books themselves are that great, but because of the audio quality. What do you mean by that? So Lauren Blakely, her books on Audible usually have a full cast of characters or at least four or five. So like the male perspective is always read sometimes incredibly by like Richard Armitage swoon. And then you have like the female character read and like that 
flipping of perspectives that really gives a depth to the dialogue. And like this podcast project episode audio drama felt very much like that. It feels really, really clean and really full. Do these Lauren Blakely books, do they involve like ambient sounds as well and diegetic and non-diegetic stuff? They do. And the thing that's different is like the diegetic and non-diegetic here was throughout. And a Lauren Blakely, it'll just be for like the first like 15 to 30 seconds of a new chapter. Like you'll get a street scene and you'll hear the street scene and then it'll stop. But like here we were at a cocktail party and like the ambient chatter behind us like was there the whole time. Well, just call me Noah because I must be a real country bumpkin about audiobooks. <laughs> it was like audio dramas, but I was like so excited that it was a contemporary romance novel story. Mm-hmm. I guess I would also expect something like this to happen First of all, with a period romance, a historical romance, we have a special word for that. That's not costume drama. And that's all I wanted to say. But yeah. So can we give like a quick summary of the story? Sure. Ten Week Turnabout is about Ingrid Wheeler, who hightailed it from bumblefuck nowhere, Indiana, all the way to NYC to follow her dreams. She went to Columbia College and never looked back. And she is at this corporate meet and greet for her company where she is a risk assessment evaluator actuary and she's there with her good friend Cleo and Cleo waves her over to this table to do the networking with this hot guy and there across the table is Noah Bloom erstwhile high school crush who she hasn't seen in eight years and with Noah's piercing blue eyes everything good and bad about Indiana comes roaring back (laughs) Yes. And then they fall in love. And then they fall in love in a hot, sweaty New York summer, which is both the easiest and the toughest thing to do. I thought like the discussion of how humid New York is was actually quite good. Ugh. Yeah. Consensual is also from Chicago. So I feel comfortable and confident saying this. But like one thing Chicago definitely has over New York besides livability in general is beautiful summers. Beautiful summers. Tall buildings plus beautiful summers. Mm. Not that I've been able to enjoy it very much this year. And also they like live in tiny, gross, sad apartments. <laughs> and they pay too much money for it. And they don't have alleys. But the trash is just out there. Their trash is just out there. <laughs> and like one of the things that was quite fun for me is like Noah, who's never really left Indiana and certainly not their small town where he is currently a high school teacher of history at their former high school, Oy. has this real clear eyed and very obviously biased hatred of New York. But every time he said something like shitty about New York, I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They don't have alleys. Their trash is just literally on the street. There are trash mountains you must dodge and get away from. And like, yeah, the restaurants are great, but like you're paying $2,000 for a shoebox. Like whatever. That's my Midwestern take. I love New York for what it is. And I'm glad that I don't live there. I like visiting. I will also say like with the exception of maybe the heroine's particular criticisms, some of those criticisms of what we hold near and dear in the Midwest that were presented to Noah via other characters. I would like to specifically point out the time when he was called a self-seeking asshole who uses respect and politeness to cover it up. Yes. I was like, oh, ooh. I was like, I feel seen. And then I was like, I feel attacked. 
<laughs> I think that's exactly right. I think one of the things about this sort of fish out of water slash like country mouse, city mouse discussion that this book did a really good job of. You know, everybody likes to cast dispersions on urbanites who think that, you know, like people from rural spaces are bumpkins. But there is a real dark animosity in rural spaces for city folks. Yeah. And Noah Bloom really epitomizes that with his like, ah, shucks, flannel aesthetic. Yeah. Where he like says some pretty nasty stuff. And I was like, oh, man, like you need to spend a little more time in the urban space before you get to cast that kind of judgment. Have an opinion. Yeah. One of the things that was striking and perhaps relatable was Ingrid's kind of really aggressive denouncement of the Midwest, of her small Indiana hometown. And I think two things can happen. I love dichotomy. <laughs> so, of course, more than two things can happen. But I would say there are two ends of a spectrum whenever someone from a small town ends up in one of their metropoles, mm-hmm. which is you can either completely like denounce your small town roots or you can become super defensive of them. Mm -hmm. And I think Noah and Ingrid really represent those two poles. And it is through their love that they meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like Ingrid hurt my feelings the way she talked about small town. Ingrid hurt my feelings too. One of the things that I think is so great about romance in general is like, how do you make the formula of falling in love and a guaranteed happily ever after or happily for now how do you make it new and interesting and I think where I'm coming down on this is like specificity like each book feels fresh because it's so specific right Ingrid's generalized hatred of her small town never has a focal point she says that she wanted to leave from the time that she was 10 and then she's like well nobody treated me nice and then Noah rightly says you acted like you were above everybody else and we never really understand how that animosity that Ingrid carries with her like a burning torch Mm. like arrived inside of her because her parents are seemingly from this small town, have a life there and like constantly want her to come back. But there's no like mean girl incident in middle school. There isn't even really like a longing for New York that's ever really explored because I would understand that too, where it's like you want to go to the big city to have big city dreams. Like I get that. But like that's never really explored in Ingrid. It's just like this torch bearing hatred for this small Indiana town that just like makes her super ostracized, which would be a terrible experience. I don't think she was super ostracized. She came across as snobbish because she always had these higher aspirations for New York. And like you don't end up accepting an offer at Columbia because you don't want to live in New York your whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And like so I'm able to like read between the lines like she always had this vision for herself and for her future and also just her steadfastness to it and her defensiveness about it. I just read between the lines that this was always a goal she had. I also liked we had a heroine who wasn't really ostracized in high school who like went to all of the dances Mm -hmm. and it was just her senior year. She decided to finally ask out like the one guy she hadn't asked out because there were like 30 people in her (laughs) senior class and it happened to be Noah. Like I get really bored with the narrative of like the ugly duckling. (laughs) Like I really appreciated that Ingrid's trajectory was 
successful in high school and then found a place where she could find her own success and she felt more at home Mm -hmm. outside of her own home. And that even though she has this complicated relationship with her hometown, not to give away the ending, I don't want to give away the ending because we definitely want to support our independent romance authors. So you should definitely go buy the book or subscribe to the podcast and rate them five stars just like you have presumably for us. It's a novella, but it allows for a pretty complex ending, Mm -hmm. which I thought was great and really honored both characters. And considering how the hoops people jump for, for like a simple happily ever after, I was really pleased to read a romance novel, a novella. I want to give them credit for the brevity in which they were able to execute this landing. Mm -hmm. But like a complicated and satisfying ending. I agree that like honored both characters in where they were at. It was not a situation where two people sacrificed who they were for one another. Right. And that would have been terrible and like against, I think, the ethos of romance for Riot Girls. And like credit where credit's due. I didn't foresee how this was going to end in a way that it did. And like, I think this was a project of like exposing characters and all of their like summer irritations and like gritty flaws and like honoring that. And like this was a book where characters were meeting each other where they were at. And I was like, this is actually quite nice. Yeah. But I also want to honor the fact that this is a rebuttal to Hallmark movie structures. Yeah. Where I think they mentioned that in the project itself and explaining the project. I want to talk about the story itself and then we can get back to the form, which I think is what's really fascinating here and won't give away too much. But I think what is so satisfying is that you do get these Hallmark movie bells and whistles, like the little finesses that make those so pleasurable mm-hmm. without the like eye roll shit that always rears its ugly head in those Hallmark. I'm a lifetime movie person, but I want to know what you think from a Hallmark movie perspective, because I'm like, objectively, this is better than a Hallmark movie. But that comes from Dateline 2020 Lifetime Movie Morgan. Uh, Sure. But also as somebody who, full disclosure, Isabeau spends not an insignificant amount every December watching Hallmark movies with one of my dear friends who has always lived very far away from me. And one of the things that we do in December is we pick like two of the worst Hallmark sounding Christmas movies and then we pick two that we think will be okay and then we watch them together. Double Labrador Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like small town (laughs) ski chalet Christmas or like secret baby Christmas. You know, like it's just like everything that people think about romance superimposed onto Hallmark. So it also has like this other like sanitized PG sepia tone. Can I diverge real quick and tell you a chalet story? Sure. When I was in undergrad, I had a class with an English exchange student. She was doing like a study abroad, but I think they call it something else over there. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting to go into class and she was on the phone with her dad and she was like, Daddy, um, I was wondering if I could actually, I don't think I want to come home over the spring break. My friend invited me to her family's um, chalet. And I was like, holy shit, someone in Kansas has a chalet. <laughs> So I was like, ears up. And she was like, yes, um, we're going to a lake. It's a lake, a chalet on a lake called Cedar something. And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to a lake house and homegirl thinks she's going to be going to a chalet. (laughs) 
What's that lake called? Cedar? I'm sure there are a lot of cedar lakes in Missouri. It's just called Cedar Lake. I'm always like, what's it called? It's called Cedar Lake. Cedar Lake is like... The restaurants have slushy cocktails and you wear cutoff shorts that show the interior pocket lining. Yeah, that's like Lake of the Ozarks. Oh, Lake of the Ozarks! That's where she was going! Yeah, that makes way more sense. She was going to a quote-unquote chalet at Lake of the Ozarks. No. I just loved that. And I wish I could have become her friend so I could have also gotten secured an invitation and so that I could have seen her face when they arrived. I mean, that would have been amazing, but... But like, if you want to go to Lake of the Ozarks, I will take you to Branson and we can go see Dolly World. I've been to Lake of the Ozarks. Come on. <laughs> I have been to the Jersey Shore of Missouri. <laughs> but I just wanted to watch her face. Her face. I get it. I get it. And like, there is no way the person who invited her framed it as a chalet. No. She heard the description and thought, oh, this must be a chalet. I mean, if you like eat exclusively cold cuts out of a igloo cooler in chalets, then yes, it's a chalet. Also, like, no, like you're going to get swimmer's itch. Like, no, you're going to get swimmer's itch. It's like a whole thing. You're definitely going to get super fucked up on those alcohol slushies like how many American flag bikinis purchased from the clearance rack at Target do you have in your possession now and I will determine whether or not you're ready to go to Lake of the Ozarks I think that's actually a really good measure it's like how many trucker hats how many American flag bikinis yeah anyways You watch Hallmark movies. You like Hallmark Christmas movies. Well, we do it because we like to shit on them, but then we also secretly love them. So it's like... You love them. Some of them are bad. Anyway. You love them. It's wrapped up in the experience. And so like one of the things that Hallmark movies often do is they have a small town girl who goes to the big city to become a high powered whatever, whatever. And she has to come back for Christmas because like her mom has cancer or her dad has a seizure or like she has to save the family bed and breakfast and she's like I don't want to live here this sucks you guys don't even have sushi I don't even have cell service (laughs) where's my sushi (laughs) their heel breaks as soon as they get off the bus they inexplicably had to take to town inexplicably yeah and like she's got her roller bag with her instead of a backpack and she has to like drag it because she brought way too many clothes like those are like the standard moves she has come to value material Right. And then like some guy in a barn coat like shows up with his like (laughs) boots on. In his car heart. Yeah. And his old dog. And he's like teaches her about real values like American values erstwhile. And like so that's like the move. And then she eventually is like I don't need the city anymore. I've got you and all of this community which is just like whatever. These 12 old white people. Who love me for me. It's <laughs> so, like that's a Hallmark movie. And there were moments of that, like some serious subversions. Like he's very hot. I was picturing him a lot like a non bearded Zach Efron. He is bearded. He's got stubble. It's not a full yeah. on beard. Well, Zach Efron doesn't have a beard. Oh, he does now. Podcast in a podcast. If you haven't seen Down to Earth, that dude has like crazy beard now. Vulture, I just saw they did a like quick review about like Zach Efron's physical transformation. 
transformations. Mm-hmm. And they described him in Down to Earth as like, his latest transformation is the guy in his 20s, one year out of a divorce, who is not friends with his ex-wife. <laughs> exactly what it is I like that's exactly how he talks it's definitely a guy in his 20s who doesn't like his ex-wife it's like so strangely naive and stupid <laughs> anyway anyway Noah Bloom slash Zac Efron Noah Noah Bloom hottest name hot name what a hot name hot so hot and he's a hot guy you know he's got like that small town woodworker vibe slash brewmaster ingrid wheeler another great name these names are really good yeah they just fight at each other for the first three chapters like ingrid's really mean to him oh yeah he like winds her up which is also a thing that i actually usually hate in romance novels like Watching someone wind up a woman for fun is something that I hate. But when Noah was doing it, I was like, I hate you, but she seems to like it. So I will reserve judgment. Yes. One of the things I'm looking forward to in the podcast version of this story are the sex scenes because the actors are great. Mm -hmm. They really sell all of the dialogue in a way that I immediately become suspicious of dialogue. The dialogue in this book is really great and really true to life. I think it's like someone watching my so-called life after watching Dawson's Creek for years where I'm like, oh, my God, someone's talking like an actual teenager. Mm -hmm. And so it's been great to watch or listen to the actors deliver the lines. I'm really curious how the steamy sex scenes go, because this is definitely one of those programs. This is definitely a Red Shoe Diaries. Yes, it's V steamy. V steamy. I want to talk about the form, meaning like the audio drama, like more than an audiobook and also a novella aspect of it. In comparing the first chapter to the first episode, what struck you? Anything? I think you're right about the actors earnestly selling it in a way that makes it even more believable. Because I read the first chapter before I listened to the episodes. And the first chapter is like, oof, A, I hate first person. So that's never a good start for me. Yeah, that's tough for you. And B, I really didn't like her voice. But... (laughs) Having her narrate it rather than me just reading it really ameliorated a lot of the things that I don't like about that form. Yeah. And having other people come in organically, like her friend Cleo and Noah and this other dude, Bo, I was like, oh, this actually kind of solves a lot of problems for me. Yeah. So like in that way, that's what strikes me. I'm like, I really don't like first person, but I don't mind it in the audio form. Yeah. And I think like there were certain points in the text, like I remember in the first chapter, someone says hi to her at the happy hour and she thinks who the fuck and like normally in like text it would just be like who the fuck she thought to herself but I think it's in quotations and it was like a little bit confusing to me but like hearing like the layered dialogue that's the other thing is like they talk over each other and stuff in the audio drama it really sells it and I should have done a closer read to compare the text of the novella with the actual audio drama it's very close it's very close and that's so interesting 
interesting to me. I just think it's like a really formally interesting project. And I also love that it's being released as chapter by chapter as a free podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's just really fucking cool. I think it's smart. I think like one of the things that the podcast explosion has done is like really reignite the idea that we're a society of listeners. And I think like that's hard to imagine right now. And what I mean by that is like there's a reason why radio was so big for so long, why it still has so much power, especially in talk radio, why podcasts had the explosion, why we love to tell each other stories. And like this is one of those moves where it's like it makes so much sense to me that you would have the text version and the audio version now as like just a way of like wetting all of the appetites and like satisfying all of those needs. And like it's like one of those things where it feels so brilliant. It's like, how did nobody do this before? Yeah. And I think it's also like a remembering that like audio is a three dimensional way of communicating. Yeah. Like it doesn't just have to be someone reading to you. It doesn't just have to be like music plus voice. It can be, you know, almost like cartoons, how bodies can stretch and and reform Mm -hmm. and blow up kind of the rules of physics audio also has like a lot of space for creativity and I think this is demonstrating how like a really old form and a really strict form like the romance novel still has room for like new like innovative reconfiguring I agree so if you haven't listened yet definitely go check out at least the first chapter like we said look up consensual or 10 week turnabout in your favorite podcatcher and I'm also going to be doing a Q&A with the creators so check out our blog for that should be pretty fun we're gonna g-chat later this week and so I'll ask him lots of interesting questions so that should be released at the same time as this episode wow talk about stretching physics Look at us. Content, cross content, moving through all of the mediums. Recording something that exists in the world a week after the fact. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, I highly recommend listening to this. And if you like this, I would also then recommend if you haven't gotten into Audible's romance section, there's a lot of really great work, not the least of which is Laura Kinsale's Flowers from the Storm. If you like our episode about that, you should listen to that book. Isabel, could you actually do a blog post about like your five favorite favorite audiobooks I think that would be interesting sure I could definitely do that or like the five grooviest audiobooks remember when we found out Hummingbird was like a million dollars on yeah I do remember that that was an interesting discovery all right cool uh so with that in mind loosen your woes but never your nusses Mwah. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabel. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast.
Until next week. Mwah. <laughs>